yes, we're talking about anger today, and uh, it's a little bit ironic when the pastor comes up to talk about anger, and it looks like he just walked out of a bar fight. I don't know if you noticed, I've got a few little bruises on my face. I went to the dermatologist uh, this last week and had some precancerous spots burn off my face. Um, at least that's what my wife told me to tell you. <laughs> <laughs> So uh, as we saw in the video, uh, anger can cause us to do some pretty dumb things, right? You know, uh, it seems like outbursts of anger are becoming more and more common uh, these days. And uh, there are some very revealing statistics about anger. Let's take a look. One of the first ones here is that the average woman tends to lose her temper three times a week, while the average man loses his temper six times a week. Guys, don't get mad about it. I'm just reporting what they tell me. (laughs) Single adults tend to express their anger twice as often as married adults. Men are more likely to lose their temper at home than outside the home. (laughs) Most dangerous room during a temper tantrum is your kitchen. (laughs) Watch out. Uh, Most likely to express road rage. This is fascinating. Mothers of school-aged children and young adults in their 20s. Oh, my goodness. Look out. Well, we've heard of road rage. There's also something called air rage, and British Airways tells us that air rage cases have increased 400%. Wow. Anger is on the rise, and it's harming us. I mean, it's harming us mentally, emotionally. It's harming us relationally and even physically. I don't know if you realize this or not, but anger can actually cause high blood pressure it can cause kidney and liver disease or, or damage, and as well, it can lead toward a heart attack. Kind of crazy, you know. Anger is one of these things. It's kind of like an alley cat, <laughs> you know, just crazy little cat. It's hard to control, and once it gets out, just about anything can happen. A while back, there was this story in the L.A. Times about this man that was uh, sentenced to anger management classes because he had reportedly been beating up his girlfriend. So this guy shows up to anger management class drunk. It made the anger management instructor so mad that he punched the guy in the face. (laughs) The sad thing is, though, that it actually caught, he punched him so hard it caused brain damage, and the guy eventually died. I mean, how crazy it is that, you know, even our anger management experts are losing control of their anger. Wow. So stress and tension, frustration, these can all lead to incredible bouts with anger and struggle. And whether you express your anger outwardly or maybe you express it inwardly, you know, maybe you're somebody that's aggressive with anger or maybe you're more passive aggressive. You know, I think we can all relate to the idea that there are relationships uh, that we've blown up, words that we wish we could take back that we never wish we would have said, and actions that we've done that have really cost us. The fallout from not being able to control our anger very well can very many times be very costly. Let's take a look at this video. So you left me no pizza. Caleb, I just lit that candle. I like the way it smells. Well, I don't. Did you leave me any dinner at all? I assumed you were eating with Michael. Does it not occur to you that there are two people living in this house and both of them need to eat? You know what, Caleb? If you would communicate with me, maybe I could have something for you. 
Why do you have to make everything so difficult? Oh, I'm making everything difficult? Seems to me like I'm the one carrying the weight around here while you're off doing your own thing. Excuse me? I'm the one out there working to pay this mortgage and I pay for both of the cars. Yeah, and that's all you do. I pay all of our bills with my salary. Which you agreed to do. That's fair. Do you not like this house? Do you not like your car? Oh, Caleb, who takes care of this house? Yeah. Me. Who washes all the clothes? Me. Who gets all the groceries? Me. Not to mention I'm helping my parents every weekend. You know, I've got all this pressure on me, and the only thing you ever do for anybody is for yourself. Let me tell you something. You don't know the first thing about pressure. All right? You think I, I put out house fires for myself? Or, or rush to car wrecks at 2 a.m. for myself? Or pull a child's body out of the lake for myself? You have no idea what I go through. Oh, yeah, but what do you do around here other than watch TV and waste time on the Internet? You know what? If looking at that trash is how you get fulfilled, that's fine, but I will not compete with it. Well, I sure don't get it from you. And you won't, because you care more about saving for your stupid boat and pleasing yourself than you ever did about me. Shut up! I'm sick of you! You disrespectful, ungrateful, selfish woman! How dare you say that to me? You constantly nag me and you drain the life out of me. I'm tired of it. If you can't give me the respect I deserve, look at me. Then what's the point of this marriage? You want out. That's fine with me. <laughs> you know, it's uh, kind of hard to watch because I've been that guy, maybe not the same circumstances or the same level of intensity, but I've definitely had times when I've allowed anger to completely take control of me and I've said things and done things that I've just completely been ashamed of and have regretted. And so we have to ask ourselves, what can we do to be able to rein in this rage that we sometimes experience, maybe at different levels in different ways? What can we do to keep ourselves from hurting the people that we love? Well, fortunately, God cares about this. And His Word actually has many things to say about how we can control our anger. So let's take a look at this verse in Proverbs. Proverbs 14, 29 says this. People with understanding control their anger, and a hot temper shows great foolishness. It says here that people with great understanding control their anger. That word understanding means wisdom. And so we're going to look this morning at wise ways to control our anger. And so if you take those message notes out, the first place to fill in right there is the first point, which is keep the right perspective, to keep the right perspective. You know, one of the things I think we do a lot of times is we tend to classify our emotions in different categories. Like there are good emotions and there are bad emotions, right? Well, I think in reality, if you think about it, there are no bad emotions. Our emotions were given to us by God. They were one of the ways that we were created to be like Him in His image, to relate to Him. See, God gets angry. Anger is an emotion that God feels in reaction to injustice, into immorality, and ungodliness. Those are things that make God angry. And they're things that make us angry too because they're against God's person and against His plan. In Matthew 12, 
We're introduced to a story about where Jesus heals this man that is just crippled with an inability to see. He can't even speak. And he's just being ravaged by demons. And the religious rulers respond to this by claiming that Jesus heals this man in the power of Satan. And Jesus is angry with them because, one, they had no compassion whatsoever. And second, they refused to give God glory for what happened. In Matthew 21, we read the story about Jesus and the money changers. And here, people were extorting and robbing from the poor that had come to the temple to worship. And Jesus takes, you know, he overturns tables. He takes a whip and drives people out of there. Kind of sounds a little bit like dinner at my house. (laughs) Just kidding, really. (laughs) So Jesus stands for righteousness and he stands for justice. He got angry when his father was maligned. And he also got angry, especially when the weak and the broken were abused. You see, anger is a godly response to injustice and sin in our world. You know, you think about uh, some of the greatest organizations that are out there doing good in our society. They were a response to righteous anger. You know, one of them, like MAD, Mothers of Drunk Driving, or um, America's Most Wanted, the International Justice Mission, which combats child slavery and the sex trade. See, it's not a sin to get angry when you get angry at sin. Anger only becomes wrong, see, when it turns sinful. And anger becomes sinful when, one, it's self-serving or when it's expressed in an incorrect way or when it begins to control our life. Ephesians 4, 26 and 7 tell us this, that don't sin by letting anger control you. Don't let the sun go down while you're still angry, for anger gives a foothold to the devil. Jesus got angry about injustices that were done to others, but if you ever noticed, Jesus didn't get angry about what was done to him. In the same way, God the Father gets angry at sin and injustice, but it doesn't allow him to overpower and control him. No, his anger is balanced by his patience and his forgiveness and his love. And we're reminded of that in Psalm 103, verses 8 to 14. And they say this, the Lord is compassionate and he's merciful. He's slow to get angry and he's filled with unfailing love. He will not constantly accuse us or remain angry forever. He doesn't punish us for all our sins. He doesn't do, deal harshly with us as we deserve. Glad for that. For his unfailing love toward those who fear him is as great as the height of the heavens above the earth. God is loving and God is just. And I am so incredibly grateful for that, aren't you? Amen. You see... Having a right perspective can allow us and motivate us and move us to address the sin and injustice in our world. It also helps remind us and helps us evaluate our own motives to see if our anger is even justified, which leads to our next point, and that's to take an emotional time out to analyze our anger. There's a um, physical response. I think we all recognize it when we start to get angry. You ever notice where it kind of feels like your blood's just boiling? And, and, and your muscles tense up, you know, veins start popping out of your head, a little bit like this guy right here, you know, whoop. <laughs> you know, when steam starts coming out of your ears, it's probably a good signal that maybe you need a little emotional time out to get a little perspective before you blow your top, right? Proverbs 16.32 says this, better to be patient than powerful, better to have self-control than to conquer a city. 
when uh, we allow anger to get out of control, we tend to push people away. You know, it scares them. It makes them either fight back or they just totally crumble and withdraw. We need to rein ourselves in before we allow our anger to rain down on others. Removing yourself from a volatile situation is not a sign of weakness. It's a sign of wisdom. Now, it's important that when we take this little time out that we're clearly communicating to the other person that we're not trying to avoid them or the situation, right? You know, when we get angry, you tend to kind of blame people and, and, and tell them that it's their fault. When in reality, if you think about it, our emotions, we choose those. We choose how we react to a situation. And so we need to own our anger, and we also need to analyze it and find out why it's happening. You know, there's some great questions uh, that we can ask ourselves when we're taking this time out to analyze our anger. One of, the, one of them is this, is this about me not getting my way, right? Because <laughs> often what underlies our anger is, is this attitude of I'm right and I want it my way, you know? And the thing about that is when we focus on ourselves, it, it tends to create this distance and disharmony in our relationships. We got to ask ourselves, you know, am I really right you know, is needing to be right in this circumstance, is it helping me or anyone? Is it really worth it if I get my way? See, anger that comes from selfishness really is a sign of pride and uh, a great cure for prideful anger is humility. I mean, think about if, if the next time you were in a confrontation, you were to respond with something like, what can I do to help? How might that change the response of the person you're talking to. So another great question to ask is, do I have complete and accurate information? Do I have complete and accurate information? Because often, you know, we don't have all the facts uh, to even know if our anger is justified. You know, when a, a volatile situation comes up, you know, it's just like in a split second, we're evaluating, you know, did, what did the person mean by that? You know, um, what was their motive you know, how painful is this? How should I react? All in a split second. And it happens so fast. And I don't know about you, but quick and hasty decisions that I make that quickly, I usually just don't do very well. Not at all. Matter of fact, I remember uh, there was a time, I don't know if you've ever had a long, bad day. You know, you're just tired. You come home from work. You want to relax. And so this is one of those days. And I get inside. I'm going to the kitchen. I'm looking for a little comfort food. And I walk in, it looked like an atom bomb had gone off. There was just stuff everywhere. And so in one of my not-so-proud moments, I just, you know, kind of blurted it out, what is this mess? And I noticed in the corner of the kitchen, one of my little preschoolers is sitting there, you know, kind of cowardly standing there. And so I march over to her and I start telling her, you know, you know you're not supposed to get in the cabinets without permission. You need help for this type of stuff. And milk does not go on the counter. It goes in the refrigerator. And I'm looking at her, and her eyes are getting real big and glossy. And she says, I'm sorry, Daddy. I was just trying to make you a cake. <laughs> you ever heard of eating humble pie? <laughs> My humble pie that night consisted of graham crackers and jelly beans and maple syrup and sprinkles. Tasted delicious. <laughs> Proverbs 18, 13 says this, spouting off before listening to the facts is both shameful and foolish. See, in a blink, 
with very, very limited information. We're having to make these important, critical judgments about the use of our anger. And I don't know about you, but I'm just not smart enough to do that well. And so it's so wise to take a little bit of time out to kind of get our facts straight, right? And we've got to figure out, you know, could maybe I have been reading into this situation or making some assumptions? You know, have I listened very carefully to the other person? Have I sought to understand their point of view? I don't know, but how often maybe have, have you just kind of jumped to the wrong conclusion and started this, this big confrontation over something that you, you were just totally off base? I know I've done that quite a bit. Here's another question that we can ask ourselves. Is anger even the appropriate emotion to be expressing right now? I think, um, I, don't, I do this a lot. I, I think many of us do where, where we use anger as sort of this surface emotion it's really not what we're feeling, but it's much safer to express anger than what's really going down. If you dig deep underneath the anger, you find things like hurt or rejection or fear. I think it's important for us to really kind of take an honest evaluation of what are we really feeling. Because when we do that, a lot of times it can diffuse our anger and help us to be able to express what we really need from someone. Proverbs 15.1 says this, a gentle answer deflects anger, but harsh words make tempers flare. You know, if uh, we were just to kind of slow down a little bit and speak a little softer and kind of talk about what we're really feeling, you know, like right now, I'm just really afraid. We're no longer putting someone on the defensive and we're expressing what's really going on inside of us and we're taking responsibility for our feelings and people usually react to that so much better than we do if we're just angry with them. The third one is to learn to forgive and let go. You know, it's uh, really rare to get through a day when at some point in time, someone just doesn't step on our toes. You know, we live in this imperfect world with imperfect relationships, and sooner or later, someone's just bound to say something that's going to hurt us uh, or, you know, cause us to feel bad. And it's helpful for us to kind of learn to have a gracious attitude when it comes to minor infractions, you know, where we just don't consider them to be such a big deal and importantly that we just don't overreact, okay? It's kind of like a paper cut, you know, a paper cut, sort of unexpected, you get cut and you're like, it's amazing how much that can hurt, you know, and it really, really stings, but we don't call an ambulance and rush ourselves to the emergency room for a paper cut. <laughs> just don't do that. Hopefully we don't do that. But we acknowledge it hurts and then we get over it and we move on. Proverbs 19.11 says this, sensible people control their temper and they earn respect by overlooking wrongs. You know, when we um, talk things over with people in a respectful way, that's the most appropriate way to deal with anger. It doesn't do us a lot of good just to kind of vent and explode in somebody. You know, what we really want to do is get to a point to tell them that we're hurt in a way that we're solving the problem. And it kind of forces us to fix problems in our relationships rather than to destroy them. And we can calmly tell them, this is how you hurt me. This is how I hope that we'll deal with this in the future. And then we move on. Now, we really have to be honest at this point that there are some things and some hurt that isn't just easy to excuse and let go, right? There are things in our lives that places of anger that come from deep hurt and pain. Things like unfaithfulness, 
or rejection, abandonment, or maybe even abuse. You know, these are things that are deep and hidden at the core of who we are. And these pains are almost kind of like World War II landmines, you know, where there are things from the past, they're mostly forgotten, they're hidden from the surface, but they're still lying down deep within us. Then there's this unexpected explosion. We don't even know where it came from or why it happened. You know, what do we do with deep pain and hurt like that? Well, we've tried so hard to let it go, and we're still angry. Fortunately, God has given us a surgical procedure to deal with our deepest hurt and pain, and it's called forgiveness. Now, a lot of times we just are quick to dismiss forgiveness because we feel it's kind of like where we say, you know, it's okay. It doesn't really matter. That just doesn't cut it at a level of deep hurt and pain. See, true biblical forgiveness isn't like that at all. One, forgiveness admits that we've been wronged. It's not shoving anything under the rug. It's calling someone into account that they have wronged you. And it's blaming them even. And second, it acknowledges the person owes you something, that they hurt you, and there's a debt that needs to be paid. But third, it releases the person from their obligation to you. So you acknowledge the pain and that they owe you, and you don't minimize any of that. But the key is you'd make a conscious choice to release them of that debt, and you give up the right to hurt them back for the hurt that they caused you. Many of you uh, remember Nelson Mandela, and Nelson Mandela <clears throat> was arrested and imprisoned for fighting racial discrimination and apartheid in South Africa. He was imprisoned for 27 long years, and when he was finally released, they asked him, did that injustice make you angry? And this is how he responded. He said, yes, I was angry, and I was a little afraid. After all, I've not been free for so long. But when I felt that anger well up inside of me, I realized that if I hated them after I got outside the gate, then they would still have me. And I wanted to be free. So I let it go. Here's a great principle for us to hold on to, and that's this. That when you are wronged, don't do what comes naturally do what comes supernaturally. See, the key to that phrase is the word supernaturally. It means beyond nature, beyond ourself. Haven't we found it true that we cannot give what we do not receive or what we don't have ourselves? See, being able to forgive at our deepest level of pain, it's a supernatural thing. We need to receive a level of forgiveness that's so far beyond ourselves before we ever can even begin to conceive of the idea of being able to give grief or grace and healing and forgiveness to someone that's hurt us at the deepest level. Probably the angriest season of my entire life was in my early college years. Um, my dad had just left our family. It was unexpected to me. He took my sister with him. And I was living with my mom and my brother. My mom was just wrecked emotionally with all the rejection. She was just sinking. And my brother just sort of became numb and tuned out emotionally altogether. But I was feeling abandoned, and I was angry about that, but also just about 
the grief that I had about dumb decisions that I'd made in my own life, feeling guilty and frustrated and feeling like life was out of control. And I remember a particular day when I had gone to, I was at Cal Poly Pomona down in Southern California, and I'd gone in to try to add some classes, and I didn't get any of my classes. <laughs> I was just fit to be tied. I marched out to my car. I slammed my door. I cranked up my stereo to Phil Collins. I don't care anymore. I blasted that radio as loud as I could and took off through the campus. I nearly hit four people. And not long after that, I was sitting in my car in a shopping center parking lot with a bat on my lap with a plan to go to my dad's new apartment and bash every single window in. And I was warring with myself trying to keep myself from making a decision that would alter my life. And it was at that moment when Jesus stepped into my life. During that season, that's where he met me, at the shoreline of pain and frustration and anger. And he asked me to follow him into the ocean of faith. And I was at a point where my life was just undone, and so I did. I followed him out into these deep, deep waters where his grace abounds. And it was there that I found total forgiveness. And because of that incredible gift, I was able to forgive myself, and I was able to extend the gift of forgiveness to others. It set me free. And today, if I'm really honest with you, I still at times struggle with anger. But I know where to go with that now, that I can wade into those deep waters of faith where I can meet with the Prince of Peace. Ephesians 4, 31 and 32 says this, get rid of all bitterness and rage, and anger, and harsh words, and slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. And instead, be kind to each other, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, just as God, through Christ, has forgiven you. Mm. We're going to listen to a song called Oceans. And my prayer for you, honestly, I want this for you, is that you would allow this song to be an invitation that God would call you out into the deep ocean of faith and grace, and that that grace would wash over you and cleanse you and heal you. Open your heart and allow Him to do that work in you now. Stand. And I- 
All right, will you pray with me? Lord God, we just uh, we come to you now and we thank you that you are a God who calls us out to deeper places with you. And right now, some of us do feel like we're drowning in the pain of, of regret. Some of us are drowning in the pain of hurt. We just reach out to you, God, and reach out for your arms and pray that you would do that healing work, that you would forgive, God. And that when we receive that forgiveness, God, we hold on to the promise that as far as east is from the west, as far as the heavens to the depth of the ocean, God, that those things are removed before your sight. And for the pain, God, we know that you are a great healer, that you open the eyes of the blind, you heal the hearts of the brokenhearted. So we give our hearts to you, God, and do that supernatural work that we can't do on ourselves. God, we ask just for your strength and power in times when we're faced with anger, that you help us to have the courage to step back and to take a moment to evaluate where we are, to be wise with our decisions, to overlook those things that we can, and to rely on your grace for the things that we can't handle on our own. So we come to you and we ask for your help for all of these things. We expect great things from our great God. In Jesus' name, amen.